Friends, just a quick comment. So I am wearing a mask today, not because I have symptoms, but because I was with Father Ben the other day and just out of an abundance of caution decided to wear a mask. Um, I just wanted to mention that in case anybody was concerned since we'll be coming to the table and receiving Eucharist here in a bit. Also, you may sound, it sounds like I've got a little scratch in my throat. It's because I was singing Mr. Brightside way too hard last night at my work party. So, without further ado, <laughs> it's an honor and a privilege today to be able to proclaim good news to us all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is freeing us from the divine, from the belief that the divine is a withholding monster God. The lies of shame and violence that come from believing in a monster God are being cast out. Jesus is loosening the lies, their hold on us and our hold on them. Nothing stands in the way of your belovedness. So let go of shame and violence today and hold on to love. In our gospel passage, Jesus goes to the temple on Sabbath in keeping with tradition, which is so often the case. I think sometimes we've inherited a story that Jesus is always bucking tradition, that he's stepping aside or going against his Jewish roots. But here he is living into his very Jewish upbringing, doing exactly what would be normal or expected of him at that time. He begins to teach with authority, and then as he's teaching, a person possessed with an evil spirit begins to scream and says, what have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. And here we hear that the spirit seems to feel about God the way that I'm tempted to feel about God when I read what I call the scary words of the Bible. <laughs> Our Deuteronomy passage today, we see that God's people have requested a prophet to speak to God on their behalf because as they say, I can't listen to the Lord my God's voice anymore or look at this great fire any longer. I do not want to die. And then God says, I will hold anyone accountable who doesn't listen to my words. And then also, any prophet who arrogantly speaks a word in my name that I haven't commanded them to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. Couple that with the fact that Psalm 111 says that the fear of God is actually the beginning of wisdom, and then preparing to preach a sermon, it's just kind of like, sheesh. This is a lot, you know? Like, I really feel like I'm not going to step out of bounds here, but if I do, I deserve to die. So this <laughs> is kind of scary. That's why I call it the scary words. So these scary words, are they make it uncomfortably easy for each of us to utter that same thing that we hear reached out or spread in the temple. What have you to do with us, God? Have you come to destroy us? And a belief in this monster God who is petulant and pernicious turns us into petulant and pernicious people. When we believe that we are hard to love, when the God of dread hovers over us, we turn our violence inwards and we shame ourselves because that is our best tactic for trying to be one of the few, the proud, those who are worthy to be beloved by God. And when we believe that the list of those who God loves is very short, then we'll do anything we can to try to make it on that list. 
So oftentimes we turn our shame outward and we commit all manner of violence against one another. Physical, yes, but also social, emotional, verbal violence. We oftentimes push those on the margins further out because we're so focused on scratching and clawing for our own acceptedness. And sometimes, honestly, we even commit this violence with good intentions. Sometimes we believe that our inward shame has somehow done good work in us, and so people must want us to turn it outward on them so it can produce good fruit, better behavior. Friends, shame keeps us from loving ourselves, and violence keeps us from loving each other. These shame tactics and these violent acts, inward and outward, big and small, they cause many people to say of God and of God's church, what do you want with us? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. But church, Jesus is freeing us from believing that the divine is a withholding monster God. The lies of shame and violence that come from that belief are being cast out of us. Jesus is loosening the lies, their hold on us and our hold on them. Nothing stands in the way of your belovedness. So today, let go of shame, let go of violence, and hold on to love. So in response to the evil spirit's question, Jesus spoke harshly and directly to the spirit and said, Silence, come out of him. The spirit shook and screamed, and then it came out. I think it's very important for us to differentiate who Jesus is speaking to. Jesus speaks harshly and directly to the spirit to save the person. He casts out any spirit that would get a person to question, what do you want? Have you come to destroy me, God? Here we see that demonic paradigms are cast out by kingdom teaching. I'm going to get a little Pentecostal here, if you don't mind. I know you guys like alliteration, but how do you feel about rhyming? Jesus here is dealing with the root and the fruit. That's right. The root is that we have a belief in a monster God that is raining down from above us, trying to rule us with fear. And the fruit of believing that is that we turn into people that will wield shame and violence to try to manufacture some form of good in the world. This belief, this worship of a monster God, this fear of a monster God, turns us into monstrous beings. And being freed from the lie that our Creator is a monster God frees us from perpetuating these monstrous acts against ourselves and against each other. But freedom unto what? In 1 Corinthians, we have a great example of a question about that. In the church at Corinth, there's a dispute. Is it wrong to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols? I wish I had more time to get into all of the stuff that is here to be unpacked. If you have questions about meat sacrificed to idols, you can talk to Father Matt because he is the priest at the table whose purview includes smoked meats. (laughs) Some in the church of Corinth who are used to idol worship feel like this food is tainted somehow. And it should not be eaten. Others believe that because idols are false gods, it doesn't matter. And it just so happens that this disagreement broke down around class lines with wealthy believers thinking it's okay to eat meat and poor believers not believing that it's okay. This disagreement within the community was actually causing the community to disintegrate. 
And so we have in 1 Corinthians a letter from Paul writing to essentially say, yes, you're technically right that the food isn't tainted. It could be eaten without issue. But you're entirely missing the point. You were created for righteousness, not rightness. You were created for communion, which, yes, there is food involved, but it's not communion if you're alone or if you're excluding others from the table. Food won't bring us closer to God. We're not missing out if we don't eat, but we are missing out if we lose each other. Belief that the divine is a monster God creates all sorts of barriers between us and communion, the communion that we are created for. And Jesus today, church, is casting out the lies of shame and violence that come from believing in a monster God. Jesus is loosening the lies, the hold that these lies have on us and our grip on them. There's nothing standing in the way of your belovedness today, church. So let go of shame and violence and hold on to love. Beloved, a monster God is worthy of fear but a creator who is in the process of restoring the righteousness of all creation is worthy of awe and wonder. Psalm 111 says the works of God are the works of God's hands are faithfulness and justice. All God's commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. Fear, in the statement that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, actually means awe or reverence, an experience of wonder because of encountering the glory of God, and a God that is in the midst of restoring justice through God's faithfulness is worthy of awe. That encounter of the holy is here for us today as we commune together with one another, as we extend God's grace as best we can, as we repent of the shame tactics and the violent tactics that we've used, that we believed were good ideas. God's glory is present in this room as we repent of that, as we come to the table together. Just as looking upon the monster God turns us into little monsters, looking upon the God of goodness and righteousness is drawing us deeper into goodness, deeper into righteousness. So, to conclude the rhyme, a new root will bear new fruit in our lives. God's goodness and God's faithfulness is unchanging and it's awe-inspiring. Your belovedness is settled. It's a settled issue, no matter what you do. And there is no barrier keeping you from communion. You are loved by your creator. You are loved by this community. So friends, with no obstacle to communion, let's come to the table together. There's a seat for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.